Hey, everybody, we are back, Garen and Jordan, talking about his sermon yesterday on, uh, on core desire and God's plan for us in that. And so here to break that down just a little bit. And uh, this, was, this was one that was a little bit risky, Garen. Yeah, a little risky. Why? What, levels. Why was it risky? On what were the levels of that risk? I mean, the levels is one being misunderstood, and I think anytime you talk about sexuality, people are gonna. I think when you mention that word, people have a filter already in our culture. I think everybody at every different ages, people have different filters on what are you gonna say, uh-huh. or they're gonna hear it through their, or see it through their lens, so to speak. And so I knew that you you would be heard differently from each generation, and really, and also just I really. I think the younger generation is asking some really significant questions and has some really honest struggles and questions, and I didn't want to just leave them in the dust, and I really wanted to speak well to them, because I do feel like this story of God is so helpful in that. Yeah. And yeah, so you're, you're kind of just dealing with a, kind of some generational stuff, and just anytime you have to help people take their kids out, because you can talk about sex, I mean, that's risky by itself, so... But yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, it was kind of a... And even the whole thing of desire, because I kind of came against, I think, what a lot of people in churches have thought about desire, because I, I mentioned briefly that, I mean, there's a lot written about how the, 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 that Greek thought has influenced Western Christianity, and one of the ways is in that thing of desire, and that we kind of don't trust desire, and we have this kind of negative idea that it's just not good, that desire isn't good, and that's not the biblical view, so. Yeah, you really nailed me yesterday when you were talking about disordered desires, and you asked if I was more hungry for God or for KU to hang a banner, and I was like, dang it, Garen, why do you have to say things that convict me? I know. Because I was just fine until you got here. That was just for you, dude. No, I, I, that, was, that was for me, to be honest, so <laughs> just as we have good. other KU fans in there that it our, hits, too. Our, group, our life group actually had a good discussion about that afterwards, so I was glad you said that. But that kind of points to the fact that we were talking about core desire yesterday, and yeah. sexuality was a part of that, yep. and it's a symptom of unhealthy core desires. But the, the message of yesterday was when your core desire is correct and you hunger for God or desire Him above all else and yep. you're seeking Him above all else, the rest of it can fall in line. But when we disorder those things... It manifests itself in weird ways and unhealthy ways and in ways that we don't even really realize what's underneath it, but yeah. things go wrong and it becomes, life gets a lot harder for us. Yeah. So um, you talked about, you started talking about desire right. and how you even alluded to, alluded to it a little bit right here, that in the church, we have equated desire with evil, right? right. It, we, should, we should push down yes. our desires. If it's a sexual desire, don't, yeah. don't give into it, don't talk about it, just push it down. If it's for if it's for sports yeah, or leisure anything, right. or you want to go on a trip, hey, yeah. that's a desire. Yeah. You know, and it's not something that we talk about in church explicitly, but right. it's kind of this undercurrent. Yes, there is an undercurrent of that. That like this is not a place for me to talk about my desires or to feel too much desire. I've got to keep it in check. Yeah. Because anything that's not God is like yeah, he did, right. he doesn't want it. Yes, that's not spiritual. It's and, not spiritual. And that really that's where the Greek thought really did impact the church. And that that idea that desires to be denied it comes out of that thought. It did weave its way into the church, right? And there's that sense, oh, if it's not spiritual, you got to kind of shove that thing down. You know, yeah. I should be desiring going to church more than I desire taking a trip to Colorado or... Right. And I mean, we're built for desire and yeah. desire is a good thing, but... So you brought yeah. it back to the fact that desire is good. And so desire is not the issue. Desire is not the boogeyman. It's not the no. enemy. It is really disordered desire. Right. And you talked about the Greek word, I can't remember the word for desire, but epi was... Uh-huh. Epithumia. Epithumia, which means too much desire. Yeah. 
Over desire. Over desire, meaning over God, like it's out of order. Yeah, it's out of order. Yep, too much. You were when you said too much. Too much. Good word. And so it's good that I want to watch KU win tonight, right. which they are. You heard it here yep, first. Nothing wrong with that. We recorded two of these, so if we'll release the one where they lose, if I, if they, you know, I'll say that instead. But um, but yeah, it's good that I want to watch that game. Uh huh. But if it becomes all I think about for the next forty eight hours, and yes. I deny my spiritual uh-huh. life and my family uh-huh. and my responsibility, like yep. that is elevating it to a level where it is yep. epi. It is too much. Yep. And it's now yep. out of whack, and it's causing sin yep. in my if life. If it wrecks your week, if it makes you get in fights with UNC fans, right? You have you've overdesired it. So, but there's nothing wrong with enjoying the game. There's nothing wrong with being happy that your team wins. Yeah, right. And it's kind of the same thing with anything, right? Sexuality, for instance. Right. Sometimes we think, oh no, I'm having a sexual urge or a sexual thought, and it's like God did not make me for this. This has to be Satan. And then you took us to all these places in the Bible where you're like, you know what? God made you like that. It is your desire. He made you to desire different things. And so the answer is not to push it down or ignore it or deny it, but it's to say, how do I honor God with this? And how do I execute it in the way that he designed me to so it works out for my good and his glory? Yeah. Um, But it is not to like say, oh, that's that's an evil thought. I should not be feeling that way right now. right. I mean, I left a, a lot out of Song of Solomon, left on the edit, editing floor. There's some pretty explicit kind of language in there of like... I feel like it got explicit like, enough for Sunday morning. I'm like, I'm, man... I'm usually one that's like, hey, bring the noise, Garen. Let's just read the Bible for what it is. And with those yesterday, I was having looking trouble looking people in the eyes. Like, oh, we're really we're getting into it here. Yeah. And that's what I love about the Bible is you wouldn't think... I, the, kind of the way I think a lot of Christians think about desire and sexual you'd think that wouldn't be in there, but it is in there. Right. And it's celebrated. And, and it points to the fact that God made us for that. Yeah, He made us for that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so. keep the podcast G and we'll end it right yeah, there. We but... will, yeah, we'll start saying the S word from now on. Okay. The S word. But yeah. yeah, so we're created for desire. But the, you know, so when, if we're talking about sexuality and all that, so I, the church, if the church goes to the, the two false ones is desires denied or desires deified, we go to the not denied side, but our cultures run to the deified side. Mm-hmm. And now we have this huge split, I feel like, between church folk mm-hmm. are on one side and our culture's on the other, and but both have it wrong. And if we could understand biblically where it is, I think we can relate better to culture and our story is so good. And I think it really rings true. I think to because I've had so many conversations where you tell a person... Your desires, God created you for that. Desire is good. Sexual desire is good. And people like inside, like, I know, that's, that rings true to them, right? That we can celebrate that. But then you say, but the Bible says the problem is your desires are disordered and they're corrupted and, and twisted and distorted. And people deep inside know that. They know that their desires, there's something wrong. Like, there's something that's not quite right. And so I, I think the Bible and its story speaks so, it rings so true to people. That they're like, that beauty and brokenness is both in that. And they're like, I, I can sense that. Like, so that's why I, I felt like it was important to, to do that. And that's how I talk to people about it. So That story you told about the student who was struggling with something and said, how you answer this will determine how I follow God or whether I do. And the fact that you pointed them back to Jesus and basically committed to walk with them to figure out more about who God was, instead of condemning them in the moment for an errant feeling or desire or whatever, spoke really deeply, I think, to everybody, but especially to the younger generation. In my junior-senior life group that night, I asked my students, what do you guys think of today? And they they all went to that story. Man, the way 
that Garen approached it with that student was so good. And I want to do it that way with my friends. Mm -hmm. And that's not how I learned it. And I've always been really scared because I thought that was the only way to do it was to say, well, you're in sin and you're going to go to hell unless you get Jesus. Yeah. But to, to not put the focus on their sinfulness, but on, on to say, hey, let's start with who God is and, and what he's done for you. And if you really believe that, then what does our life look, in, look like in response to that? And just that whole process of walking through that with them uh-huh. is so much more attractive and attainable than, you know, hellfire and brimstone. Yeah. And walking with them in that, in loving community, because that's what ended up happening with him. And that's why he loved our group so much is he felt like as he explored that he was loved as a human being and, you know, not he didn't know all this, but from our perspective, somebody created in the image of God, worthy of being treated with love and dignity, somebody Jesus died for, gave everything for, yes, we are going to treat him with love and respect because that's what, that's as a human, that's how he deserves to be. And just walking with him and trying to point him to Jesus, that's what we need to be doing with a lot more people and a lot less of pointing to the brokenness that they struggle with, right? So this is off script. I didn't ask you this before. So this is the candid Garen answer here. Um, Why is that so stinking hard for us in church? Why is it so easy for us to point at someone who is struggling with homosexual feelings or desires or actions or somebody who has gotten pregnant out of wedlock and just point the finger and say, you are so messed up and you need Jesus so bad and you better repent right now. Why is it so easy for us to do that and so hard for us to do what you just explained, which is talk about the story of God and walk with people through brokenness? Yeah, I think because to me it's a Pharisee-Jesus issue. I mean, today when we talked through that book, right, it talked about, I think if you get in a religious framework, not biblical, but just religious, I think religion makes you focus on the negative stuff. Jesus, those same people that the Pharisees would point the finger out that would bring a woman and say, let's stone her... Jesus would take those people and he'd go hang out and have a meal with them, that he had a totally different perspective of like loving and relating. And to me, it's because he knew the whole story. He knew they were created by God, a good God, and they were created in his image, and he knew where the story started, that everything was how it should be. He knew where he was taking history, that one day he would make everything right. He knew that he was the answer and he was there to be the fix of everything. And so in my mind, we just focus on that second part of the story all the time, the broken, you know, what's broken, broken, what's wrong? And we forget the beginning and the end of the story in the middle where Jesus comes. And to me, that's the crucial. We were just talking beforehand. I mean, every good story, it starts with everything's great, right? And then evil kind of comes in and there becomes this crisis. And then always in a great story, there comes the point that the solution of the crisis always catches you off guard. Like somebody has to give their life or die. It's totally unexpected. And in the end, everything's great. So it'd be like if every movie we watched, all it was was the bad guy. It's just Darth Vader showing up, and we don't know any of the beginning. We don't know about Luke and his transformative journey. We don't see the end when the Death Star blows up. And all we're just seeing is always the evil guy coming into the picture. It's like, those are horrible stories. I mean, nobody would listen to that story. But I feel like so many times when we're dealing with people, we're just telling the Darth Vader story, and we're not telling the whole story that's so beautiful and compelling to people. That's what I feel like. So there are people listening probably who say, Garen, I'm with you, but one, in my heart, it's hard not to feel judgmental, and two, practically, it's hard to have the words to say to someone, like my neighbor who might be gay, or a friend of mine who confesses sexual sin to me, they're not even, they don't even see it as sin, they're just talking about the pornography they watched or something. How do I, 
interact with them or address that with them in a way that is not bigoted and is not going to turn them off. Like, give me a script, give me something to start the conversation off the right way. Yeah, well, to me, it's that my job is to point them to Jesus and not to focus on that. And let Jesus deal with that later. Like if they come, when they come to him or they come to him, and even on that journey, as they start learning more about their sinfulness, they will. You can't be on a journey to Jesus and this emphasis on, on our sin that separates us from God. So you can't stay away from that. But that doesn't have to be the focus. In my journey of taking them to Jesus, they'll encounter some of that stuff. But to me, again, it's got to be, am I loving that person? And am I pointing them to the totality of the story of God? instead of just fixating on that one part of it. And the other thing you said, like, that, that whole judgmentalism, that one of the things I was trying to communicate yesterday is, we are all, all of us have disordered desire, and all of us are have broken sexual desires. We experience it differently, we exhibit it differently, but at the cross, the ground's level, right? We're all, we're all sinners. We all have broken desire. We all have broken sexual desire. It's different ways and different people. And if I realize that about myself, I'm less likely to point fingers at other people. He experiences it differently than I do, and he exhibits it differently, but I experience it and exhibit too. And like, we're all sinners. And like, so can we get over of elevating one guy's experience or exhibiting of it as higher than mine? And just be like, I'm also broken, but let's look, let's focus on the Jesus and not the brokenness so much. That's just what I, hmm. I just feel that in my bones, that that's how we need to relate to people. Yeah, we really look a lot like the people who are standing around waiting to stone the woman caught in adultery um, when we cast judgment on somebody else. Because who are we to say that? Yeah. To say that you live without any kind of sexual sin or disordered desire, it's just, it's not true. Yeah. Um, and isn't that a condemnation? Isn't that a view of Christianity that comes out in our culture that people say, you guys are proud and judgmental? Mm-hmm. Because when you talk about people, you talk about their problems as if you don't have any. Yeah. And to me, that's why that whole message is that when I'm talking to somebody about desire, I'm like, do you realize that all humanity, we all have disordered desire? Do you realize all of us have broken sexual desire? Every single person. Like mm-hmm. When you make that playing field level and you're like saying, I'm not better than you, I struggle, you struggle, we all struggle in different ways. Let's just look to the answer, which is Jesus Christ, the one who created us, the world how he intended it. He's going to take it there. It's through Jesus that He's that he'll redeem it. And like, let's focus on that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we're denying the brokenness. That's part of the story. Right. So I'm not leaving that part of the we're story We're not omitting out. it. Yeah, not omitting it, but it's not the focus. I think to somebody who might be listening and be thinking, yeah, but you're not being faithful to God's word. You're being a coward because you're not talking about their sin right off the bat. Maybe a good challenge to that person might be, if you're following Jesus, think about what first drew you to Jesus. Was it somebody throwing your sin in your face and saying, you are so wrong, you need God? Or do you remember a moment where you saw God in a beautiful light and you were like, wow, despite my brokenness, he still loves me and there's room for me at the cross? Because I think if you're honest with yourself, if somebody maybe treated you like you are feeling like treating someone else and that was your first experience, maybe you wouldn't even be following Jesus right now and that we all need a dose of that goodness and that beauty. Because what did you say? People want to people follow. That's, that's why they want to follow God is because yeah. of who he is, not because right. of 
his reaction to their sin. Yeah. And that's the ultimate desire that's really in there. And so our job is mm. to kind of cre- pull that out. That's to me, that's what <clears throat> when I'm when I'm working when you're loving people and you're taking them through the Bible study yeah. and all that, you're trying to take that desire that they really have that they don't know they have and speak and to elevate that and realize. Do you realize the yes. thing you really long for is God and yes. a relationship with him? And you're trying to get that thing out and then let him deal with some of the other stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that really does bring it back full circle because that core desire is yes. intimacy with God. Yes. And that's why that's why we disorder things, and that's why we knock on the brothel and look for God, uh-huh. right? Because we are actually searching for Him. Yeah. We just don't realize it. I remember so many things in my life where I would mess up with disordered desires, and I would think, why in the world am I treating this person this way? Why am I having this urge to feel this way or do this thing? Why am I so messed up? And just looking inside and being like, I know there's got to be something underneath this. And then realizing one day, through the help of another person, that it was a it, it was truly God that I was hungry for, yeah. and to be intimate with Him yeah. and to be known by Him, and yeah. that's why I was trying to fill that in with something counterfeit. Yep. And yes. until you realize that, you're always going to struggle. Yep. So to bring that to the forefront right off the bat and say, you know, I'm not here to condemn you, but just know that we're all struggling, and this is why we struggle is because we're hungry for this. Uh-huh. Can be such a huge tool. Yeah. And to me, that having that in your mind affects how you view people. Because if I that brothel quote, I love that so much. Because if if all I do is I see somebody walking into a brothel, that's all. I, if that's all I see at that level, surface level, in my opinion, and you point the you know you wag the finger and he's a bad guy, but when I start realizing, as Chester said, the thing they're really deeply longing for that they don't know is actually they're seeking for intimacy with God. When you when you know that that gives you so much compassion for people mm-hmm. because you can't that makes you you don't have to fixate on the the sin or whatever they're doing wrong you're like I'm seeing deeper than that and I'm seeing that what they're really hungry for is God and I know Him and I can point them to Him and it just gives you a heart of compassion when you realize that they're really seeking intimacy with God but they just don't know it yeah and wouldn't it be great if somebody came alongside and helped point them to that way and helped show them to usher them to the one they really desire yeah. Absolutely. And these days, people aren't knocking on the doors of brothels, but every time you log on for pornography, yep. every time you have that lustful thought about an affair or about this or that, yep. man, this is really yep. every what time you, you're hungry you go for. to bed with your girlfriend and you're not married yet, all of that, there is, there is a hunger for an intimacy that's deeper than that thing, but they don't know where else to look for it because yeah. they just don't know. Right. It's the same thing I've heard when people go into a bar. You're like, what are you doing going into a bar? Um, the thing they're really deeply longing for actually is community. That's the thing that's really deeply under there. It's not, you know, the other stuff. It's community. And when we realize that, like, man, we could, we could be a community like that, or mm-hmm. point them to a, yeah. It's there's so always have, deeper things going on. With so people. we're gonna have a bar at the back for yeah. our next church service. That's <laughs> what I heard you say. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So the focus is not on the brokenness. The focus is on Jesus and His eventual restoration of all things, including our desires. And to focus on that and to say, this is the whole story, and this yeah. is why Jesus is worth it in yeah. light of that. So, yeah. And okay. even, if you don't mind, just quickly, you even yeah. said, are you a coward for not like starting with their sin? And I went, well, if that's mm. the case, God's a coward because Genesis 1 and 2 is all about the perfect world He created, and He didn't start there. Mm. And if God doesn't start there, then I'm not going to start there. Right. And it's not where He ends. And great, all great stories end where they begin. And so if that is the focus in that middle section of Jesus, if that's the focus of the Bible... It's not we don't deny the other stuff, then I'm going to focus on what he focuses on. Well, and John, doesn't Jesus also say, 
I didn't come to, to condemn the world. Yes. Um, that's Save that's it. for a later time, right? Yep. First, I'm here to show you God's God's goodness and His beauty and His restoration, and give you a, a sneak peek, yep. so you can respond to it. Yep. Judgment comes later, but here's here's my first act. Here's what I want you to see first. So Jesus could have led with the judgment right off the bat, but He says, "I'm not here to judge and condemn you. Um, I'm here to show you who God is, and we'll deal with the rest later." But so that's how He did yeah. too, right? Yep. And I think if I were to have a concluding thought, even Jordan, I did that story of God thing early on, and I reference it sometimes, but that was just not a throwaway series, like, hey, this is cool. That really, to me, is like the operating system of how I think Christians should look at everything in the world. Mm-hmm. I should run everything through that grid of the, of the story of God, and I really, I, I just, I am convinced that that is what we need as believers, to have that whole story in our mind, and I think people so need that so badly, so I really... And wanting to push people back to that, and how you important you that made is. cards for that. I still have mine, but many people probably don't have theirs or never grabbed one. Could we have a bunch ready next yep. Sunday? Can in fact, we somebody some asked me. Off? Yep, yesterday came up. I'm like, do you have that in a graphic form anywhere? And I'm yeah. like, actually, we had cards, so that's yep. a yeah, that's good. Okay, we'll do that. So we'll have Story of God cards ready next week. Yeah, that'll be awesome. All right, Garen, we did it, man. Hopefully, it. hopefully, no one left church because you said the S word. And you quoted Proverbs and talked about breast-like fawns and all that good stuff. So hopefully everyone's still with us, and we didn't go too far off the rails. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the time, and I mean, this will fit perfectly in the halftime tonight between that's the That's right. So, so like, watch the first half, listen to this podcast, that's watch right. the second half. And... <laughs> That'll be pretty spiritual. I don't know if I'm on that level. Okay, guys, thank you for being with us. Um, we're excited to chat with you again next week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you.